Hello. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Mitch. Can I call you Stephen today? I guess so. I mean, only my mother calls me Stephen, really. All right. They tune in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Everyday Meeple. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mitch, and I'm here today with Stephen. Stephen, that's me. Stephen Haley. Yeah, we're into, um, what are we, week seven of, of isolation chats, right? I, th- I think. Is it that far? I don't know if we've done seven, but I think we're... No, we've done three. Well, yeah, but we've, yeah, we've done three isolation chats, but we've talked on here like oh, seven yeah, we've times. Been, yeah, I think it's been, been seven, sure. seven weeks. I don't know. Which it's is, been a while. it's crazy. Yeah. They're all kind of melding together. It's been a year and a half now. It's, it's what, uh, 2018-21? I can't remember. We changed how we keep track of time in the future. and <laughs> Yeah, life, yeah, life is different. But yeah, here we are, the checking in with each other, uh, which we, you know, well, we get to do this a couple times, a, a couple times a week. The other time we check in is during our uh, role-playing game session, but we don't get to do a whole lot of chatting on that one. We uh, yeah, it's uh, just waiting and uh, listening to stories, and it's not it's not as chat friendly because you know there's stuff going on. You definitely lose a social element, which I imagine we haven't done much social board gaming. Uh, but just like the role-playing game, I imagine people playing over Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator are losing that social element where you just goof off and lose track of the rules a bit and talk about television and things, which is a kind of big part of the fun of getting together around a table. But Maybe. Maybe other people are much more serious, much more in character, and uh, are enjoying this new system because they don't have to break that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a personal preference thing, and there's some good and some bad, but it's it's uh, it's interesting. I miss the puns. Yeah, I mean, God. It's not as punny. What are we without the puns? Yeah, but we're still playing, playing games. Um, I've been, since we started chatting on here, and we've, uh, you know, when we first started talking, we tried to uh, throw out some print and play options that were available for people and some digital options. And I've been trying my best to dig into it. I've been playing some digital things and some kind of doing some more, more video gaming than I almost would like, but whatever times have changed and I'm enjoying it. Uh, I've downloaded a lot of print and plays and I haven't printed anything. Yeah. I've, I, feel I, like, I feel like I just don't have time in the day. I'm, I don't know why I'm busier now it truly, than I was before, but it's truly bizarre that I feel like, uh, I have less time sometimes for some reason, but since you gave me the suggestion of, uh, because we don't have a printer and you said, Hey, Steve, you have this other iPad with a Apple pencil, just download the PDFs and play that way. So I did. And I, I tried out the super skill pinball 4k. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Right. It was fun. Yeah. It's just Jeff Engelstein's game. Um, and they, I think Wiz, WizKids is going to put that out hopefully sometime this year. Um, and it's, there's a couple, couple different tables, or like I had one that was like clowns, and I think I had a. That's what they released. No wait. So that's what they released for the print and play. I think is this okay. kind of carnival themed uh, pinball table, but uh, like the title suggests, Super Skill Pinball 4K. I think the, the you know the published box game is going to have four different pinball tables. Um, but the print and play version has a lot of the graphics and graphic design kind of stripped down to its printer friendly kind of version. So it's less pretty. Um, but 
it's a, it's a pretty interesting roll and write game. It was kind of weird to play on the iPad because the one element of this game that I wasn't expecting is that they ask you to have a token uh, to, that you use as a ball mm. because the pinball table because it moves through sections. Yeah, it's broken into three sections, and I didn't really want to put like a checker piece on my iPad and scratch up the screen or whatever. Anyways, I found this little paper circle that I was using, but then anytime I would move it, I would draw on the pinball (laughs) table with my finger or the stylus. So anyways, I started kind of like almost like nudging and uh, hitting a pinball table. I would end up kind of, and I'm doing (laughs) motions now where I was like moving my iPad to to move the ball down. Like you're playing the the labyrinth game with the marble. Kind of. Tilt, tilt. And but also also pinball. Anyways, I've played actual pinball with you before, and you're you're, you're a pretty good pinball player. I'm. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not very good, so I'm really kind of impressed with this game because I just started playing it, and I you know I'm I mucked through the first game and and didn't do great. I should kind of explain how how you play it. Uh, you get three balls like a pinball table, and you place your your ball at the top of the the table, uh, starting out. Then you roll your two dice. And then every how the turn works, after you roll your dice, you have to move the ball down at least one level. You can move it right down to the flippers at the bottom if you want, but you have to go down at least one. Um, so you look at your dice and see where you're at, and maybe you'll want to go into the bumpers at the, the, you know, the third level. So just say it's four levels. Um, you might go down to the third level and hit a bumper, or you might go down to the second level and, and hit one of the targets, um, or you might go down to the flippers. But you're kind of having to suss things out a little bit. Interestingly, the bumpers, uh, you can you just say you pick six. One of your dice was, was six. You pick that. You scratch off one of the bumper slots. Then you can only move clockwise around the bumpers, trying to scratch off all the, the spots for your dice on the bumpers. Once they're all scratched off, you erase them all. If you get some lucky rolls, you can just stay up on the bumpers all day, and you get a victory point every time you, you scratch off all the bumpers. If you knock down all the targets on the right side or all the targets on the left side, you get a bonus where you might get an extra ball and you have to toss another ball out there. Uh, or you might double your victory points. Every time you get a victory point, you, you score double. Um, get A multiplier. A multiplier. The two ball thing is weird because it sounds awesome. Um, but what it does is you end up having to split up your dice then. When you roll your two dice, you can assign one to one ball and one to the other. Uh, yeah. um, so anyways, what, why I mentioned you and, and, and your skill at pinball playing and my lack of skill is what I realized really quickly is I sucked at this roll and write game to the point where I started feeling like, wow, like I have a lot of respect for Jeff Engelstein and I, I don't, haven't played much of his games, but I love listening to his tech talks and his podcasts and stuff. Um, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of luck in here. And I know there's a lot of luck in pinball, uh, but there's a lot of skill too. And there on the side where you, where you track your score, there's a, 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 a spot to, to scratch off 400 points. On my first game, I got 32 points. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing something horribly wrong. So then I realized you get three nudges in the game where you can uh, nudge your dice up or down one level. Yeah. Uh, it's like hip checks. Yeah, little hip checks. And it has a really cool kind of... Um, push your luck element to this where let's just say I, I turn one of my dice from a five to a six. Then um, I write the number one down in the nudge section. And on my next roll, if the difference of the two dice is 
uh, lower than how much I move the dice on that nudge, I lose the ball. So, you, <laughs> so you're safe to do it. You're safe to go Tilt. up in one one increment because you you won't go lower than one. Uh, but yeah, you will you'll tilt and you'll you'll lose your ball. So there's a little push your luck element. But then I I looked on Instagram when I when I posted that I had played this, and yeah, people were scoring pretty high. And I realized that you can get good at this game in the same way you can get good at playing on a pinball table. So I think he's done a pretty good job of capturing the kind of chaos really cool. of a of a pinball table. I've I've downloaded. It. I should play it. I have another uh, print and play pinball one from somebody else. Uh, that I printed and laminated like a year ago <laughs> that I also haven't played. <laughs> well, I'm, I, don't, I don't remember who the other one is, it, though. It, it's like uh, Wolves or something. It, it makes a lot of sense as a, a roll and write style game for, um, I, I don't know, it's just kind of fun to be scratching off places on, on, your, on your pinball table, like, yeah, I knocked that down, I did this, and then you're racing some when they kind of pop back up and you can reactivate bonuses and stuff. Um, but what I'm really interested in is having looked at the um, the game that hopefully will come out in 2020, is you know the actual Carnival table, the the finished version or at least the prototype version that they have on Board Game Geek, it looks really cool. Like the graphic design is a lot better, and I guess they're uh, dry race kind of tables. But they also have a a disco themed uh, pinball oh, yeah. table, a um, a kind of cyberpunk future table where you're trying to hack hack things by by knocking down targets and whatnot and what of course i'm always generic old steven uh most interested in there's a big fantasy table where you pick a i think you get to pick a character by the looks of it i'm not positive and you have to kind of level up as you're um as you're knocking things off on the pinball table anyways hopefully it um yeah hopefully it's as cool as it looks and i'm going to give it another go eventually i i might even be worth actually printing it so i don't have to do that wackiness with the uh, tilt of my ipad all over the place although there's some kind of weird dexterity thing involved with that that's kind of fun so yeah finally got to try print and play without printing anything and that's it give it a try that's a really great system that that there are games that you can not print and still play just by using the the ipads yeah it got a little tricky i had to um I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a real great techie guy, as you've realized, the more we do things on computers. Um, I had to like, you know, really mess around with Adobe and try to figure out where I could actually access it. Like for a while I was playing it and I couldn't erase anything and erasing is a big part of this game. And oh man, it just boggled my mind. I figured it out. It's all good. Um, but that was, that was fun. So yeah, print and plays. I've also printed a couple other things, but I haven't got to them yet. So I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Hopefully, I will. We'll get to them though. Do you have you've printed things? Yeah, I got uh, Susie's parents. They helped me out and they printed. Uh, I felt bad and I and I sent it to them and said, "It's not a big deal. You don't have to. I don't want to use up all your coloring." Sixty pages. It was, it was fifty. It was the Chronicles of Crime. The fifteen pages of kind of oh, man. witnesses and and crime scenes and stuff. Uh, it's not too bad. I looked at it. But yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess it's nicer to have those printouts. I can't, can't read most of that on the iPad. Like, wouldn't that be mostly just having a PDF? It's because the QR codes you have to, that, that whole game is scanning QR codes. So I guess you could, you point your phone at your iPad and, but then here's my thing. If you use your phone, uh, 
as the scanner you would because a big part of that game i think is viewing the crime scene where you get to kind of look around oh yeah you'd have to do it on your phone i'd rather do it on the ipad that makes sense we'll see i haven't cut anything out yet but yeah that makes sense we've we've spent most of this last week playing celestia oh yeah do you remember celestia i do it's a push your luck game aaron weisblum Mm -hmm. iron wiseblum is that right uh Looks like Macy. Looks like. We haven't played it in a long time. We played it a long time ago with Macy uh, because one of her earliest favorite games uh, was Ink and Gold, mm-hmm. which I think we've talked about a lot. Uh, Ink and Gold is a push your luck game where you're everybody plays at the same time and you flip over a card and you split up these gems as evenly as you can. If, if you flip over a card and it has you know seven gems, you split it up amongst whoever's playing, right. and whatever's left over goes on the card. And you have to decide each turn whether you want to go after more treasure or leave and go home. And if you leave and go home, you pick up everything that's left out on the trail. Right. Uh, and then you get all the stuff that, that got divvied up for yourself, plus everything you pick up on the way home. And, uh, and you put it in your tent and, and you get all that. And if you keep going, the chances of you getting more treasure keep going up. But if you run into too much danger, then everybody loses and you get nothing. And Macy was great at this game and we played it all the time and it plays, it plays up to like eight people. And like, it's, it gets a tiny bit monotonous if you're the one who is running the game every time. Right. And like, but she loved doing uh, as much as she could. Like she was like four or five years old and she was trying to count out all the gems for everybody and flipping over the cards. And like, she was, she was explaining how to play the game. Yeah, I remember that. Amazing. Cause it's a, it's a very simple game. Uh, but eventually we we stopped playing it because we played it so much. And then so we played Celestia with her a long time ago and she liked it. But it's got, it's not more complicated, but it's just there's a little bit more to think about. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't catch on. But now we started playing with her uh, about a week ago and she loved it so much. We played like eight games in a row in a day. Wow. And uh, it's a game where there are nine like a steampunk kind of feel you're in this airship and uh it's all brass gadgets and and whatnot and there's nine floating cities and uh there's four different dice with four different sort of resources on them right and a blank side uh two blank sides and then the four different resources and there's a pile of cards and you start with a hand of uh i think eight cards and on your everybody's turn each person gets to be the captain of the boat mm-hmm. and rolls the dice. And as you progress, you have to roll more and more dice. So the first three cities that you're trying to get to, you're only rolling two. But as you get farther along towards bigger points, you have to roll three and four dice. Right. And whenever you roll the dice, uh, it'll say how many different resources. And you have to have those cards in your hand to be able to progress. And everybody else who's playing has to decide whether or not they think you have those cards in your hand and will be able to get to the next city and if they don't think that you can do it then they get out of the ship and they land on that town and whenever they get out they get the points for whatever city so there's a little pile of cards between beside each floating city that give you so many points and they get higher and higher as you go and then if you have the cards you play the cards and you move to the next city and you pass the dice to the next person and so on and so on and uh it's it's ridiculous fun. There's there's action cards that you can play too that like mess with people or or like there's a jet pack. So if the oh, captain right. ends up crashing, you can like 
play your jetpack and get out. And we bought uh, a small expansion that has this little little flying barrel that fits one person. <laughs> so so as an option, you can decide when you're, when you're trying to decide whether you want to go with this captain. You can say, ah, I'm just going to go by myself. And you and you jump out into basically what's the rowboat. And then you you roll the dice for yourself. And uh, each, there's four row, rowboat cards and each one that you can play cancels out one of the resources you might need. Mm. So you have a slight advantage right. uh, going in the rowboat. There's a bunch of other stuff going on. Like there's some of the point cards have a, a sort of a get out of jail free card that lets you just skip to the next one without having to play stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, there's cards that let you re-roll your dice and there's all, all sorts of little bits going on, but it's a, it's a race to like 50 points and you just, you go and you crash and you start over and you go and you crash and you start over. And every time you start over, you pick up another card, but otherwise you're spending all your cards. So if you get really far, you end up with no cards and then, and then it's just a series of crashing to get more cards. Right, yeah. And uh, it, it, I have not, you know, we've played it 20, 30 times in the last week. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not bored of it. I'll play it again. I'll play it again yeah. and again and again and again. It's super fun, super easy. It apparently, uh, like this is a game from 2015. Yeah. Uh, but it's apparently, they put it out in uh, 1999. Oh, wow. As a game called Cloud Nine. Hmm. That... Uh, this this rates at uh, seven. It's a solid seven yeah. on uh, BGG. It's a high rated game with seven point three thousand people voting on it. Yeah, Cloud Nine is a six point five with like two thousand people voting on it. Huh. So Cloud Nine was was good. Uh, the graphic design for Celestia is you know night and day better. That was like it. It kind of looked like a self produced right. Uh, game early on well, it, was gonna, it looks really it looks really similar like well i was gonna say the uh because i'm looking at some pictures here just to refresh i mean doesn't refresh myself it doesn't look but, similar for the look yeah but you know it's got a floating uh little boat car boat plane thing and it's going from cloud to cloud and you know i mean a big a big seller <laughs> for a kid especially uh, besides the kind of nail-biting kind of push your luck of whether you're going to go one more or, or bail uh is that it has that kind of really neat airship with a colorful meeple yeah. in it. It's kind of, it's an attractive looking feature to that game for sure. I remember when I first played it, it's it's pretty cool looking. This is the one I was talking about before too, where I, I thought a really fun uh, pairing, a good combo would be to play Celestia and then right after play Forbidden Desert. Yeah. So you're so you're flying in the airship in in Celestia, and something goes wrong because you're constantly crashing, but you end up missing one of the cities and, and crashing into the Forbidden Desert. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you have to work together to get out of the Forbidden Desert. I think it'd be a cool idea. Know, if you're looking for a way to <laughs> tie Crash a couple up. games together, those two go really well together. I think. Uh, well, that's the game that they come to mind when I glance at this airship again. Was the parts that you find throughout the forbidden desert to put together that airship cool celestia i think i only played it with you a couple times but it did leave a good impression that was a long time ago there's a there's a company in europe that builds uh like parts to trick out your games with oh yeah like like realistic resources and stuff Mm -hmm. and they have uh these pawns right so they have regular pawns uh celestia has I think they're I think they're little wooden ponds. Uh, yeah, but, but they've done these plastic sculpts. 
yeah. of of the characters. So the each character has like a, a card and mm-hmm. a chip that gives you a picture of who they are to match the color of the pawn that you're playing with. Right. And uh, this company out of Europe, and I I can't remember who they're what company it is, but they've done like laser sculpts of the characters as these pawns oh, in wow. color, and they're beautiful. But it's like it's like forty bucks to buy the set or something, like with shipping from Europe and. So as much as I'd like to trick out our game, yeah, probably won't. It's kind of amazing the little uh, the little industry that's popped up around oh, yeah. uh, making like, your board games look better. Just like top notch the coins, like beautiful, beautiful coins that you can get. Yeah, uh, like metal coins for there's coins for scythe. There's a there's a set of coins for uh, Waterdeep right, yeah. that are that match all the cardboard punch outs, but are beautiful colored metal. Yeah, uh, but they almost usually cost you know half the price or the same price as the game. Oh, some of them cost more than the game. I'm I'm so I'm really wanting the uh, 3D printed tiles for terraforming Mars, but because there's so many um, components in that game, that ends up being like eighty something bucks another country it'd be i i've priced it it's like 120 bucks if i was going to get that which i just can't really justify it but yeah there's so, re- some neat ones i'm sad that i can't go upstairs now and find pennies in my penny bank you know and my mm. piggy banks are empty i have dimes and nickels but no pennies anymore because pennies don't exist much in canada and what a great board game component they would be now right you just uh polish up some pennies you could you could get the uh, metal stamps and just like re-stamp them right for whatever you wanted and yeah you know copper's copper's fairly soft you could refinish them just to <laughs> oh pennies I, I i set aside a, a handful of dimes to replace the uh cardboard tokens in castles of burgundy oh yeah i was just like oh, maybe i'll use these dimes as the silver for castles of burgundy nice Oh man. Yeah, we uh I I meant to bring up something last I I can't remember. You might not remember either, but last week we talked about deck building and not I remember. And not building uh actual physical decks to lounge on in your backyard. Um but you know, the mechanic of deck building in board games. Um and we talked about it twice cuz we tried it a week and a half ago and we weren't supposed to ever talk about that yeah we are and the reason we are is because i think i mentioned that that Susie and i had played um orleans in invasion expansion the first time around and i don't think i mentioned it last week um and and maybe i did but i'm not sure but here i go (laughs) (laughs) um oh it's and i know this was one of uh a lot of people's goals during this kind of isolation time is to go through their board game collection and try to play things that have been sitting there for a while that they may have not felt like they had the time to play what most people affectionately call their shelf of shame. Um, I don't love that title because I don't feel a whole lot of shame. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Somebody, somebody had a better name for it and I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like calling it this like, it's not shameful. <laughs> I, I, get of, where the, I get where that's coming from, but the shelf of anticipation, the shelf yeah, of delayed gratification. Um, but uh, I, I have had or Orleans expansion, their big expansion invasion that has a bunch of different game modes in it. I, have, I think I bought it maybe last year sometime, pretty close to a year. Um, and I only took it out and played it once by myself because it has a couple of solo versions in it. But the one 
the game mode that I was really interested in was designed by Marcus and Inca brand who we've talked about a few times on here, the designers of village and um, rise of the, Queens Dale, the exit game, the exit games, right? It's big, big name designers. Uh, they've designed a cooperative uh, Orleans expansion where you're working together to um, protect the town from invasion. Hence the name of the expansion. And it's a lot of fun. I, I, we've played Orleans enough now, and I, I, I posted this on Instagram and basically said, you know, if you're happy with Orleans uh, and you're still getting a lot of play out of it, there's no need to go out and, and get an expansion. But like most games, but after a while with the, with some Euro games, and Orleans is one of these, um, it kind of feels like a bit of a fi- fixed state of a game where you may end up doing the same moves. At least, at least the same start to every game until you start reacting to your opponent. Um, but they they start to feel a little samey. So if if you get to that point when you're playing that game, then this expansion is is really cool because uh, there's a lot of variation. I don't know if you remember Orleans, but a big part of that game was the, the stack of event tiles that kind of dictate what happens every round. And those are the same in every game of Orleans. They're just shuffled. Um, so, you know, it might be one round you have to, at the end of the, of the round, uh, reach into your bag of workers or, or followers uh, because the plague hit and you have to get rid of one. Or maybe you've got to pay a certain number of resources back to the, the uh, stock or the bank or whatever. Um, in the invasion expansion, there is a, a whole bunch more of those and new ones and you only use so many per game put the rest back in the box and you never really know what's going to happen and for the first quarter of the game they're good things because it's a cooperative game so you kind of you get more resources you get some money based on how you're doing in the game um and then uh they're the a tiles and when you get to the b tiles the bad stuff starts happening um but yeah it's it's really cool it's 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 pretty thematic uh in the original orleans the way to kind of we talked about deck building last week and a big part of deck building is is trying to thin your deck by trashing cards to make your deck more efficient same is true of bag builders where eventually it gets kind of bloated in there and you want to get rid of some of the types of workers that you don't need or you're not using as much or there are there are workers that do a certain thing that you finish yeah exactly and you do, and you don't want those anymore because because they no longer do anything for you but orleans has a great thing where you can start moving workers up into that sort of heaven board yeah where you score more victory points by by getting people getting rid of people so yeah so that's the i, I don't think it's called a heaven board but it's no, like it's not they're it's no, they're the, no longer um, in your regular stuff oh it's, it's something deeds uh it's yeah. almost like retiring these kind of villagers and that's exactly what i was going to mention is that board has kind of been replaced by a city board and that's where you're still sending villagers and getting rid of workers from your bag um but it's for a purpose. It's like you need to have five knights uh, to protect the city walls and you need to have Mm -hmm. three of each resource there to, um, so that you have a good supply of food. You need to have the villager tokens that you're collecting throughout the game. You know, if you um, go up so far on your development track or if you go up. uh, Yeah, there's like a race element. There's a big race for sure. Um, But you need to. Is that. Put is those. that still part of the co-op thing like i know last time we played uh i i felt like because you had gone one step ahead of me you were getting to all of them first right 
and like with the co-op is is that race bit is it you know how does it work that do you guys just not care about those guys anymore no they're huge so for us we needed to have seven of them on the board uh so we needed to collectively get seven of them to win the game as part of uh, the win condition uh so the race element's still there but it's it's the way uh it's like a ticking clock in pandemic or in any kind of cooperative game split up and do two different things yeah you can talk there's some really and this is where we we totally lost by we didn't even come close um and but we didn't do much talking because i didn't want to we didn't want to overwhelm ourselves with like we were already learning some new rules and we were like let's just play the game how we know how to play it and see how we do kind of thing but obviously you need to kind of look at what the event uh tile is saying and how to best use the the followers that you pull out of your bag there's a a new space on your own player board or you get a new a little player board where if you and i were playing i could i could place down a couple workers that you needed and send them over to you they're my actions but then you would get them because maybe you got something that, that would work over there so there's a real kind of cooperative element it may lend itself to kind of quarterbacking and alpha gaming but i don't think so um but it's a ton of fun and we've both expressed wanting to play it again. We probably will um, soon. Um, but I was real happy to get that one to the table. And honestly, we've played the base game enough now that I think we would probably set up and play this cooperative version um, from here on out, I imagine. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun. Orleans invasion expansion. If you like Orleans, you'll, you'll like that, that expansion for sure. I say to the massive fans in Sackville listening on CHMA 106.9. Station identification. We, uh, a lot of the stuff that I have on our, our shelf of shame are not really family friendly or, or even Melissa friendly. Like I have like games that you and I will play eventually. Right. But a lot of them, uh, there, there are some that Melissa and I are getting to. Uh, but what I did, I have, I always have boxes of, uh, right. I, I buy cheap games for, for Christmases and birthday parties. And I like the idea of doing a big Christmas party every year, but even though I've only done it once, but I, I just buy games and keep them wrapped up in boxes and then forget about them. Mm-hmm. So I've been going through those like Christmas and, uh, slowly pulling those out. And that's where we got bees that yes, time. Bees. Uh, but this time we played, uh, illusion oh wow cool huh yeah which is uh wolfgang warsh who is like modern superstar and like came out of nowhere and uh put it like five games in three years and each one is award-winning yeah i mean his big one prior to that was in a in a similar vein was the mind right the mind yeah, yeah. which is which is fascinating very fascinating it's uh such a weird game uh the uh, and like the mind has a love it or hate it sort of yeah. following. Like people either think it's brilliant or people are like, that's not a game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's amazing. I think it's ridiculously fun. Uh, but you can't, we can't play it a lot. No. Uh, we've tried it a few times and it's always, we we're terrible at it. And the people that get good at it play it all the time. And uh, the whole point of the game, you have a, a, a stack of cards uh, from one to 99 mm-hmm. And however many people are playing, 
uh, you play 99. Oh no. How many different levels are there? It's like 12 uh, or 14 uh, or something. 12, but level one, each of you has one card and you have to play those cards in order, but you're not allowed to talk to each other. And not the distinction to. is people, people have figured out that uh, you're not allowed to uh, talk. So you have to figure out different ways to communicate where the differentiation happens where some people think you can't communicate yeah. where other people are finding new ways to communicate. Yeah. So the way it uh, sort of works is whoever has the lowest card plays first, but you don't know who that is. So you basically judge by the pause yeah. and you wait it out to decide, Oh, well I must have the lowest card and then you play it. And then the next person tries to play the next lowest card and you have, you have three lives per game. Yeah. And you can get bonuses if you pass level. Everybody on level one plays their one card in the proper order. You move on to level two, and you get a little bonus. And uh, ninja star, you can, yeah, you can like pause the game and discard your. Everybody discards their lowest card, so you kind of get a quick look, but then nobody knows again. Yeah, and it's 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 ridiculous. It's super fun, uh, but I think people have started doing things where like. Uh, when they know they don't have a low card, they'll get up and leave the table or they'll like turn right. around and not look. And like, so people are building their own communication into a game of uh, not communication. And some people think that that's not the spirit of the game where other people are saying like, why not? Like, you know, the whole thing is to figure out. And it, I think it works. However, because yeah. the, the experience of finding new ways to communicate stuff that you can't communicate yeah. is just as interesting. So I think so too. I don't. I, uh, I, I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that people have kind of uh, argued about it because you know just what you're saying. Yeah, if I if if I'm dealt a card, if I'm dealt ninety eight, well, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I might relax in my chair and sit back a little bit. No, no more than I might in poker if I've got a crap. I'm a horrible poker player, but yeah. if I got a crappy hand, and people might read. The little tells in that way but at the same time i got the 98 i still don't know for sure that someone's got the 99 yeah so, somebody might have 94 95 and 98 so it doesn't matter <laughs> you're someone still might be reading my subconscious body language of like oh yeah steve's way later in the round but we still have no way of knowing it's still this weird and and i mean i think the real joy and the fun in that game is that if you can if you can really make it work and if you can gel as a group it 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 feels a bit like magic. It feels kind of psychic, you know? <laughs> it's a, it's like $12 and it's the, it's a game that's sort of the hardest part of poker. Yeah. Where you just, you're just, it's just the trying to figure out what people mean from not saying anything to you. And like, it's hilarious. It's a great game. $12. I think everybody, sh everybody should get it. I think so. And then yeah. illusion is, uh, is another, just a deck of cards. And, uh, is also amazing. Each card has four colors on it in a weird, messed up pattern. Um, some of them have have letters, and some of them oh, yeah. are just like squiggly lines hmm. and stuff. And each color is a different proportion on each card. And the back of each card has what proportion of each color it is. So. It might it might be eleven percent red, twenty six percent yellow, thirty eight percent blue, huh. and so on. So the way it works, there's like there's like eighty or a hundred cards of that, and then there's twelve uh, arrow cards in four different colors, 
and on a turn you flip over an arrow card and it'll tell you what color you're working on and then you put one card face up beside it and then whoever's turn it is takes the next top card and has to decide say it's a red arrow yeah they have to decide whether this card has more or less red than the card that's already out and so following the arrow you have to put it in front or behind to say whether you think it has more of that color or less of that color. And then the next person has to do that based on the other two cards and put it in front or in back or in the middle to make a continuing row of which one has more and more Uh of that color in this case, in this case, red. And so it goes on like that until somebody on their turn says, I think we've made a mistake. Right. Right. I disagree. Something is wrong in this sequence. And then you flip them all over. And if they are in increasing amounts all the way, then the last person to have played a card gets the arrow card as a point. But if anything is wrong in that, the person who called it gets the arrow card as a point. And there's 12 rounds. And you just just set it up again and and go again. And, And like you just try and figure out which card has more of that color in it or less of that color in it and make a sequence. And then until somebody says, no, I, I, I don't think that's right anymore. That's... And it's, it's hilarious. And we've been playing with Macy. I, Macy and I played it just by ourselves the other day and she thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and we've played it. So we just, just pulled it out last night before dinner kind of thing. We played it once. And then today she's like, can we play that again? And uh, we, we played it and we played it with Melissa and it's, it's super funny. That sounds funny. I think Sam would love that. I uh, probably, yeah, I think the whole family would love that. Even just, just kind of, just get just guessing and then we played hanabi oh you had another hanabi and we had an well i just bought this other hanabi uh, this year oh. for christmas i gave we gave one away last year right. but then i bought another one uh, because i haven't got to play it yet and for again it's like 12 or 14 dollars yeah, yeah. or something uh it's great i think it's that's uh antoine bowza mm-hmm. who's fantastic yep uh and I was explaining this game to Macy. But I, I brought it out and she was like, yeah, fireworks. I love it. And uh, she opened it. So I said, well, if you open it, we've, 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 we're going to have to play it. Right. You, can't, you can't open it and then we don't play it because we can't give it away now. We've got to play it. Right. Uh, so t- <laughs> tonight I was explaining to her how to play the game. And she's like, ah, well, I hope it's more fun than that. It sounds boring. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, we don't, you don't know that it's boring. And she's like, ah, I don't know. She, and so she suddenly was just like, I don't know if I want to play that game. Uh, but we played that game and she loved it. Oh yeah. And she's just, she immediately wanted to play it again. Uh, and it's a, it's a hilarious game where there are five different colors yeah. with fireworks on it, numbered one to five. And there's two or three of each number. And you deal yourself the cards and you can't look at them. Right. So you, you hold them out in a fan in front of you facing the other players. And on your turn, there's, a, there's 12 tokens uh, that let you, you can spend a token to tell one of the other players a piece of information. Right. And you can either tell them a color or a number that they have. And whenever you do, you're allowed to show them which cards they are. Uh, but you have to tell them all. So you can't say, oh, this is a red card. If they have three red cards, you have to tell them that they have three red cards. Hmm. And you have to show them which ones are the red cards. If they have, if you want to tell them a number and you pick a number that they have more than one of, you have to show them each one. Wow. 
And some of that's very simple where you, at the beginning of the game, you have to play a one. So you can say you have these three cards are ones. And then, you know, it doesn't matter which one you play because you need a one out. But if you play uh, the wrong number that you can't play or the wrong number on a color that you can't play, then you get, uh, there are four bad tokens that are the fuse being lit. And if those four go off, uh, if you waste all of those four before you, you finish the game, then you, you sort of the game ends prematurely because right. your fireworks went off and you're trying to build out all five uh, to finish the game. But the game finishes if you run out of cards to draw huh. and the game finishes if you run out of uh, the fuse. And if you're really good, which, you know, we're not. And it's cooperative, uh, is it? Yeah, it's all cooperative. Oh, you're cooperative. doing it together. Okay, it's, yeah. You're doing, you're, you're trying to build these five uh, rows together right uh it, yeah it's really fun right it's really interesting like and i love playing it uh with macy she's she's seven years old and uh you could see her and she get really excited about figuring out how to tell somebody what to do right with their stuff so she'd be like oh okay mom you you discard because i want to spend this to tell dad how to how to do something right whatever and, and like she had a great time uh so from me explaining that to her, she was like, yeah, this does not sound like a good time to actually her playing it. And she was like, wow, this is super fun. So yeah, that's awesome. Also a great, and, and it plays, uh, how many players does it play? It's gotta be at least five. Yeah. Two to five players. So the more players, the more ridiculous it'll be. Those all sound like fun games that I would enjoy playing with my extended family, with my siblings and parents. I kind of, as we talked about the mind, I, I really regret not uh, borrowing that from you guys over Christmas when I had the whole crew here. They would have got a total mm. kick out of that. Um, yeah, it's a ridiculous game. It's super fun. Yeah, but those three kind of fit together nicely. Uh, the mind and Hanabi and Illusion by the sounds of it, if you were going to have a little late night of card games. But, yeah, they're like 20-minute games or, or less. Like yeah. the mind, you'll, you'll play 10 games in 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny about kids. Yeah, illusion too. is is fifteen minutes on the box, so it's funny with kids. No matter how cool, and Sam's changing a little bit, but no matter how cool a game looks, uh, box cover wise, or like oh fireworks or ooh orcs or whatever, uh, and I'm like, when I open the box, and I'm like, this is just a card game, buddy, and he'll be like, oh, it's just cards, <laughs> and he kind of loses interest immediately. I'm I'm assuming that will change when they can all read, but maybe not. <laughs> I think they just figure out that, oh, actually, there's a lot of fun to be had. I mean, they, they, to be fair, they love card games. They, we played Rat Attack Cat all week, all the time. Oh, man. We were playing Rat Attack Cat right before dinner tonight. Yeah, so that fun. game has not got old I for can, them. I cannot win. Yeah. Macy I, beats me every time. I've never beat her. I have a bit of a but difficult time. I've beat her like like a round, right? Uh, so Rat Attack Cat, you can set how long the game is. Oh. You know? So you, you basically, you decide... If you want to play to 100 points, oh right, you yeah. If you want to play like yeah. 10 rounds, well, you can play 10 rounds, right, and not even worry about the points till it's over. Yeah. And like, I can win a round, and I can win like half of the game. Yeah. But whenever we add the score together, she always wins. Yeah, the uh, kids are pretty good at it. They have a bit more patience. Sam told me straight up that his strategy is uh, because uh, Red Attack Cat, uh, Susie grew up calling it as a regular playing card game, Caribbean Poker, um, where you just kind of deal out four cards face down where you can peek at the two on the far left and far right. Uh, and then you are just trying to draw your drawn cards from the deck and, and, and trying to get rid of your high get cards, the get hand. the lowest <laughs> four card hand. Yeah. At the end. And Sam told me, he's like, 
well, I just, I only take zeros or ones and twos, um, which is great. I'll, I'll, Macy does the same thing, but I'll take like threes and fours if I can get them. Well, yeah, me too. Because I don't, because I know she's going to call before me and I don't want to get stuck with my eights, nines and sevens. Yeah, me too. And I, I, but I think what happens is I often end up taking a four and then uh, a four from the discard pile that's been played when I think what the kids do is they end up just pushing their luck and drawing cards instead of taking the threes, fours and fives and getting zeros, ones and twos and winning Mm. because they, yeah. Those those high numbers just spook them out, and they then they win. It's luck, um, but it's cool. But um, I, I find the trick is to call early. Yeah. Oh, especially if you get a if, if sometimes even just calling with your if you get a zero. You want to crush your six year olds <laughs> at Rattatat Catch? As soon as you get rid of your nines, call it. Yeah, there's no crushing now because Violet's in on that game and she loves it. And we just kind of have, she's hilarious to play with. Uh, she's pretty good, but she I've, has a hard time I've hiding her the cards. Game, I've called the game early a couple times where I've like, I've lucked out where I, I start my N2 cards are like a two and a zero or something. Yeah. So like, as soon as I switch out a middle card, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I got it. Yeah. And Macy's face has just been like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you what? <laughs> Yeah, the kids love calling Rat Attack Cat too. It's a, it's a big, it's a big moment. But uh, oh man, I wish I, uh, I wish I had played this before our, our show last week. But um, I finally got to try. You guys, um, group of friends, uh, were so nice as to gift me last year for my birthday shards of infinity. Oh yeah, which is I can't uh, believe it took you this long to get to that. Yeah, one. can yeah, crazy right? My birthday is in like two weeks, uh, so it's been almost a year. Um, and Shards of Infinity, I didn't realize this, but it's the, it's a follow-up to Ascension. It's one of the same designers of Ascension. Oh, yeah? And they just kind of streamlined it quite a bit, I think. I get a feeling they probably, you know, took some of their best combos and best kind of variability that they could and put it into a small deck. Um, but it's pretty neat. It's It says it plays four, so, uh, but I think it's really, BGG puts it at best at two because it's really a head-to-head kind of magic the gathering style card game but it's a deck builder um where you have a starting hand just like we talked about last week um but you have a little player card in front of you with a health dial on it you start at 50 health and you start with um zero oh god what's the word i'm looking for it's not like this is like xp but it's not xp it's uh um mastery so you have another dial that starts at zero. So you have 50 health, zero mastery. Uh, and your starting card is mostly crystals that you use. That's your currency to spend and buy other cards from a market. And like Ascension, it has six card market that as you buy and take a card, uh, it gets replaced. Um, but some cool things that it has that I haven't seen in a deck builder before. And, and me and Susie played it and she, she said she quite enjoyed it. I don't think thematically it's really her cup of tea, but it played in like 20 minutes. That is her cup of tea. Um, so it was kind of fun, but some of the cool things that it has that I haven't seen before is this kind of, kind of push and pull of a head to head where I think it's kind of like, I'm going to attack my opponent. I'm going to get their health down as soon as I can. Um, so if you and I were playing and I'm, I'm just hitting you all out, attacking you, you might, on the other hand, say, I'm going to build up my mastery. Uh, because what you can do is spend one crystal once per turn to get one mastery, and then other cards can give you more mastery, and you're up in this dial. If you ever get to 30 mastery, 
one of your starting cards is called the infinity shard uh and once you have 30 mastery that wins you the game um as your mastery increases your starting hand and other cards get better so you might have a card that just does two attack but if you have 10 mastery it does four attack if you have 20 mastery it does six attack or something like that so the more mastery you have the better your cards just get. ramps everything up yeah which is kind of neat so i think you can try to race win that game by just getting heavy attack cards and trying to fight but your opponent might go mastery and win quicker than you or they might uh, get defense cards and because you can you have you can have some shield cards that block attacks and the other thing it does kind of uh, again like magic or like ascension you can some of the cards are champions that you buy from the market and when you play them they stay down in front of you and they have uh, one one turn um like a power that they, you can use per turn and your opponent can choose when they're attacking you to get rid of your champion or to attack you directly um so yeah there's some neat things going on and the other thing a really cool thing that i kind of wish something something like thunderstone which is probably my favorite deck builder had is some cards in the market are called mercenaries and rather than buy them and put them in your discard pile so that they show up in your deck later you just pay the cost and activate them uh, activate those cards in the round that you pay for them and they just go into the they just go out of the game um which is kind of neat so there's some there's just a lot for a small deck of cards. There's uh, a lot of uh, uh, combos that can happen. There's some cool factions like robots and forest. I'm not naming them right at all. Robots and forest people. And then these kind of uh, uh, purple wizards. <laughs> Maybe that's exactly what they're called. I've, uh, I've only played it once, but kind of what really got me excited to play this actually um, was uh, you know what i talked about last week how much i'm loving this video game slay the spire which i'm saying is one of the best video games i've ever played partly because it's such a good deck builder and i love deck builders um but i had i had realized someone had posted on instagram that shards of infinity has an expansion that makes it cooperative and basically gives you a bunch of bosses to fight um and I thought, well, if I'm ever going to try to get someone like Susie to play, or if I want to try to get this game out more because it really is my in my wheelhouse, I'd love to have a way to play it solo. So um, I'm really interested in that expansion and hope to try it. Um, and also I'm hoping that it has a bit of a feel of Slay, Slay the Spire, a deck builder where you're fighting these kind of unique bosses that present unique challenges. Um so yeah, it's really cool. Thanks, guys. If you if the friends are listening, and you're listening, Mitch, mm -hmm. so thanks. But if I'm the listening. other friends are listening, thanks for that birthday gift one year ago. <laughs> it was uh it's a good one. Yeah, I think it's super easy too. It's as easy we, as Dominion. We got you that hoping that it would last you both birthdays. You know. Both what do you mean? Well, well, this birthday everybody's <laughs> everybody's kind of stuck home. So Right, right, yeah. Uh so we bought that we bought that last year for for this birthday. Happy birthday, Steve. Yeah. Oh, for I got gotcha. For both birthdays. Yes. Well, thank you. It's very thoughtful. I didn't realize it was like uh put a spell on it that I was wasn't gonna play it until my next birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um we're yeah, I don't we're running uh running lower on time now. Uh last week we kinda kind of went over i don't think we have to make up for it by going like going way under under <laughs> but i sent you a thing um if i if 
if I could speak to for a second. And I think you might have mentioned this to me before, but it slipped my mind. But we were talking about, uh, you know, the mind and illusion uh, and these kind of cool card games. Um, man, I was pretty impressed by this canvas game that's on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's uh, it's using that mystic veil. Yeah, that kind of sort of concept of overlaying the cards and gloom. Does gloom do that? Was gloom gloom like does it with transparent do cards? Yeah, but I don't think yeah. gloom. You need to sleeve does it. it? Um, no, sleeving was a mystic veil yeah. advancement. But yeah, we were looking at this. Uh, Macy and I watched the the Kickstarter video on that and how you're building uh, pieces of art from uh, different layered cards that have you know different elements on them. So like, there's like a background piece, but then mm-hmm. there's more bits and animals and different abstract things that you can add and layer and some weird thing going on with all the different, there's like five slots on each card at the bottom yeah. that change as you layer them. Yeah. So like the one that ends up on front might cancel out something you had in the back. Which looks to be a, like a bit of set collection or just you kind of puzzling out how to best score points. But to me really what they're, whether this game is mechanically sound or not, and it seems to be getting positive reviews I mean, I think these guys are knocking it out of the park with some innovative ideas. I absolutely love that this game has no title on the box. And you can hang it and on the wall. It's it. a piece of it art. It has a, That's a, a little hole in the back to just kind of hang it up. And uh, Yeah, it, it sleeves like a, like a matchbook. Yeah. So like it slides in and then you can hang it and it'll just sit there. Yeah. And it, yeah, look, and it looks beautiful. It's great. Yeah, so when, I, when I think of games where, you know, the more this, this hobby kind of... Uh, gains popularity um the more production value people are putting into things when i think of board games like scythe or uh, everdell um just with these beautiful covers i know it's not a great marketing maybe idea to not put the title on it or the designer um and you know kind of counters what we were talked about it, a few episodes it ago is because most of the time it'll be on the spine anyway yeah it will be somewhere and you know most of the time Anytime you're browsing a board game store, you're not looking at the face of the box. You're looking at the spine like a book, you know? Totally. And, and you know, I really think that, you know, board game stores and board game cafes and content creators would just be hanging their boxes all over the place anyways, if that was Plus the case. Plus it might come, uh, the retail packaging might have a sleeve over it that has uh, the title on it and you take that off whenever you take it home. Right, you know? yeah. Like a dust jacket. Yeah. Uh, several. But it's pretty cool. Um like it, it's really impressed. I showed Susie, I showed the kids and the, everyone Sam was like, Oh my God, can you buy that? I just really want to try to make all these different paintings. Um, because I think it's the other thing it's tapping into is, you know, everyone's love of uh, Dixit um, and Mysterium. This the art kind looks of, very distant. Yeah. This kind of Dixit. abstract art, um, but really kind of beautiful and friendly. The fact that they say there's, with these 60 card deck millions of combinations because you're um, combining three transparent cards to create one painting. Um, I think that mechanic alone with the style uh, is going to sell a ton of copies. Like I think these guys are doing pretty good. I didn't realize they're they're the guys who designed crypt and uh, after Nova and road to infamy, but Encrypt, they just, uh, they're working on, they're trying to find out uh, whether there's support for a second print run of Crypt right now. Oh, yeah. They did, uh, I think we mentioned it. They did a thing uh, during the isolation stuff where they uh, did a pay what you want 
for crypt right yeah so uh, they just opened it up on the website and people could order it and uh I, yeah so i think i don't even know if uh if it was free shipping in the u.s even and they they sold something like two thousand copies in uh in a week or something wow so they're looking at uh seeing if they can get a second print run cool if, th- if there's enough interest for a second print run which is a, it's a fun little game that oh, uh, yeah. crypt. It's a, it's, we were talking pretty much all tiny box games. Uh, that one's a, another one where you're, it's a, it's a twisted theme right. where you're sort of all family members uh, going down and grave robbing like the family crypt. Right. Yeah, that is. And it. Uh, it, it's a set collection game where you, you have uh, dice that are your workers, but unlike a regular, dice worker game you don't roll the dice first you can pick any face you want uh to place on a on a spot to 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 claim a card but whoever goes after you can place a a higher number right to bump to bump you out and you can place two dice there as long as they're the same number and someone can still bump you out with with higher numbers sort of thing and that that works all the way around until everybody's spent all their dice uh, and then when you claim your card, then you roll your dice and you have to beat the number that you placed in order to get your dice back. And if you can't, right. they say you placed a four in order to get your dice back, you have to roll. And if you don't beat the four, then your dice goes into the center and is exhausted mm. and you lose a turn to get your dice back. Right. Which is, which is a really neat little mechanic that I don't think I've seen maybe at all. No. Yeah, Crypt is quite a bit of fun, and you were so kind as to send over an extra copy of that for me to play, which I haven't got around to yet, but it's on deck. <laughs> which... <laughs> and they have a bunch of different different rules for different ways to play. They, there's a solo version for it. and uh, Right. It's a fun game. It is a fun game. The And they, they did uh, thank yous for a certain Kickstarter level inside the box, so inside of mm-hmm. the Crypt box, there's the it's like an actual little crypt and then there's the printing of all of the etched. certain level of backers yeah. etched in the crypt yeah it's cool it's a very nice nice small production yeah so that's what we've been up to kind of for for a week but you're right we are um i think we're out of time very much we've, yeah yeah i got us we've there. done it we've, yeah, we've done me it too. we've done it this has got to be yeah. If we're two minutes under, that's just making up for last week. Yeah. So sure. Well, yeah, I I got some more things that I'm looking forward to playing throughout the week. So we'll uh we'll have something to chat about in a couple weeks' time when we we catch up again. Next week, uh, if we can work it out, I would like to talk about Champions of Midgard. Oh, yeah, I'm into it. It's one of my favorite games. So, so let's talk about Vikings. It's uh and and all things that might we can think of that may relate to that because because i think there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in that game totally that uh, yeah is worth is worth talking about even though it's an older game even though it has a sequel out now uh which i haven't gotten to play it's worth talking about absolutely i'm i'm excited to chat about it uh cool yeah good well until then mitchell until then uh we do have an email uh feedback at everydaymeeple.com uh, thank you for for hanging out. Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya.